welcome to What She Said. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. As summer sizzles on, we're getting ready for a little downtime at What She Said. That's right, myself and show regulars Anne Brody and Allie Payne are taking a well-deserved summer break, trading microphones and scripts for sun hats and margaritas for the next two weeks. But before we set our out-of-office messages, we're delivering a show packed full of enlightening interviews, unexpected insights, and stories that warm the heart as much as the summer sun. So fasten your seatbelts or rather recline your lounge chairs, we're about to embark on a fantastic journey over the next hour. Here's what's coming up. My first guest today is Katie Mahoney, co-founder of an inspiring charitable organization, We Are Young. Katie and partner Kara Chisholm work tirelessly to grant unfulfilled wishes to seniors, changing societal perception on aging and bridging gaps between generations in a beautiful way. Then we're talking staycations with Sarah Laternis from Ottawa Tourism. As a fellow Ottawa native, I'm excited to dig into the endless possibilities of what our city has to offer and why Ottawa is so much more than just a political hub. After that, we have Anne Brody giving us the lowdown on one of the wildest weeks in entertainment we've seen from a major writers and actors strike that has early signs to be a long, drawn-out one to the launch of two anticipated summer blockbusters, Oppenheimer and Barbie. We're then going on a nostalgia trip with Erica M., talking about the birth of much music and its impact on Gen X. Erica was at the heart of it all, and we'll be discussing the new documentary, 299 Queen Street West. We're then shifting gears to a serious topic that affects millions of Canadians, diabetes. Dr. Christine Palme is here to discuss the latest developments in managing this condition, specifically GLP-1 receptor agonists. Finally, we're wrapping up with another trip, this time to beautiful Surrey, B.C. Anne Chu from Discover Surrey is joining us to share all the local gems that make Surrey a must-visit destination. Now let's get this show on the road, right here on What She Said. We're going to kick off today's show with an inspiring story. Katie Mahoney and Kara Chisholm are the co-founders of an innovative charitable organization called We Are Young. Their mission is unique, and it's all about granting unfulfilled wishes to seniors, to inspire connection amongst generations, and to change societal perception of aging. Their work has generated incredible smiles, bridged gaps across generations, and made dreams come true for seniors across the Atlantic provinces and Ontario. This female-founded charity is truly trailblazing an innovative approach in support of our eldest generation. Katie Mahoney joins me to share more about We Are Young. Welcome to the show, Katie. Thank you for having me, Candice. So could you share more about the inception of We Are Young and what inspired you and Kara to embark on this unique mission? Of course. Um, I was very lucky growing up in life to have grandparents that lived into their mid-90s, and they constantly had a revolving door of love and support. And so I grew up with the perception that many seniors were supported in society, just like my grandparents. And then it wasn't until I was in my early 20s that I was nominated to do an act of kindness. And it could be for anyone. It was just kind of a pay it forward initiative. 
And within that same time frame, I had just met a senior who was well into her 80s, and I just saw her doing very selfless acts of kindness, whether it was bringing in baked goods to a job I just started working at or volunteering at a homeless shelter. So I immediately thought, I'm going to recognize her, and and my act of kindness will, will be to spend the day with her and do whatever she wants to do. And I learned a lot about her hardships and her personal sacrifices that day. But most importantly, that was the day that I learned um, that that was the first time in years someone made a day about her. And that was a moment, a pivotal moment in life when I realized my perception on how seniors uh, were supported was not necessarily reality. And I realized that many seniors are lonely and isolated and and crave that connection like we all do. And um, I thought, okay, well, how many other seniors are are just like Eleanor, uh, this particular individual? And not only that, but how many seniors have selflessly sacrificed so much throughout their lifetime that they have unfulfilled dreams and aspirations that they never prioritize and are still left unfulfilled uh, today. And that never sat well with me because I was very fortunate at a young age to be you know, accomplishing goals and and crossing things off my bucket list. And so this was an idea. This was a seed that was planted. And, you know, life would have it that I met Kara Chisholm within a very quick time frame. She was studying gerontology. She's had countless years of experiences uh, with seniors. And um, she was a perfect fit to walk this path on. And we met an incredible team just by events and and uh, connectedness within our community that had the same passion and drive to help support us grow this charity eight years later. And there's a there's a story I want to share, you know, just sort of some of the wishes you've fulfilled. And there's a story about a senior named Colleen, who had wanted to ride on a Zamboni since she was five. So can you share more about that experience? And perhaps if there's any other memorable wishes you you've been able to fulfill? Yeah. So we grant three types of wishes primarily. Uh, It's either fulfilling a lifelong dream like Colleen's. uh, And Colleen's wish was, to your point, to always ride on a Zamboni. It's something she's wanted to do since she was five, but she was discouraged to do it because back then it was considered a boy sport. And so when she voiced that she wanted to go on a Zamboni, it was very discouraged. She was very discouraged to do it. But she held on to that wish for a very long time. And it wasn't until she was at her grandson's hockey game that she was sitting next to a woman who knew about the work that we do. And the Zamboni came on the ice and she just voiced how much she's always wanted to go on one. And given that this woman next to her knew about our organization immediately she thought of us and submitted her wish and I still remember I I was there uh that day and you know she had the biggest smile on her face and was holding back tears just kind of looking up uh you know saying my I wonder what my parents would say now um that she's got to have this experience come true and it meant the world and then we also have wishes that are um, you know, revisiting a hobby or a passion that a senior once had. And for 
whatever reason, most common is age-related barriers that prevent them from continuing that passion. So we're that conduit to breaking down those barriers and getting them back to that passion. A great example uh, is a gentleman who always used to work on workhorses in his uh, mid-teens, and it was the best years of his life. And he always wanted to go back to that, but didn't have the connections to work with workhorses. So it was a matter of submitting an application and us using our community to bring this wish to fruition. Or Victor, who always used to go rock hounding, um, you know, he could no longer make a physical trek down to this cove he always used to rock hound at, but it was us just being innovative and getting him there by boat. And then the last type of wish that we grant is visiting loved ones that you have not seen in years. So those are really our, our three types of pillars. I love this. I I can't stop smiling. People can't see me because we're on the radio, obviously, but my cheeks hurt from smiling listening to these stories. They're so sweet. Um, You you really stress the the need to shift societal perception of aging. So can you elaborate on the kind of changes you're hoping to inspire in society's attitude towards seniors? Yeah. um, And and not only hoping, but we we are... um, you know, we grant wishes to give back to a very selfless generation, but we definitely have a broader narrative and why we do what we do. Um, our seniors in society are perceived as, you know, not being able to do the things that they used to do in their younger years, or as you age, not necessarily do you have dreams and aspirations. Um, but we're trying to shift societal perception and positively change the way we view, value, and support seniors. And what's so innovative about what we do is that we're granting wishes that are very relatable to all generations because we all have goals and aspirations. And a lot of seniors' wishes who are in their 70s, 80s, and 90s are very relatable to the wishes that you and I I have Candace. And so when we can showcase that, when we can showcase a 96-year-old jumping out of a plane and going skydiving, it, it bridges that gap more and it entices and inspires people to start engaging with seniors, start having those conversations and um, and really asking them, you know, for the seniors in their life, what is it that you've always wanted to do? We have many people who have come to us saying, I never thought that my grandparent would ever have a wish until I heard of your organization and you inspired me to start the conversation. And from that, it just opened up the floodgates. Um, and so we are starting to see that change, but we we definitely know that it is something that we need to see more of in Canadian society. And so that is our, our drive and, and our, our goal long term. What does the future of We Are Young look like then long term? Yeah, so we've been very fortunate to have kind of gotten our footing in Nova Scotia over these last eight years. We ripped off the band-aid to the Atlantic provinces in January. Um, Ontario, we just opened up to Ontario because it's been such a home to us with a lot of our, our wishes that, that have brought us there. And we've built a community of individuals just rooting for us. But long term, our goal is to be um, from east to west coast and reach all all the seniors within Canada. So if anybody's listening right now, then, um, you know, who might be able to help out your organization or, you know, help fulfill a wish, are there any wishes you're sort of working on looking, looking help for help on? 
Yeah. So we actually, our goal this year is to grant between 20 and 25 wishes. So we have lots of wishes that are actually taking us outside of the provinces. So one of our biggest barriers is actually flights. If anyone is connected to airlines, um, that could alleviate a lot of um, costs for us that could be put towards other wishes to make even more seniors' dreams come true. So I'll throw that out there, Candice. I I think, you know, being connected to an airline um, would be a huge help to uh, growing our organization and making many more wishes come to fruition. And you recently had a success yesterday with a famous hockey player. Do you want to share a little bit about that? I can't give too much away um, because the wish recipient doesn't know about it. But um, yeah, sometimes we're lucky enough to collaborate with celebrities. And, um, you know, it's it's sometimes out of our control to make those wishes happen. But there is a particular wish with a particular hockey player um, that uh, that will come to fruition in the next couple of months. So if you follow us on our socials, whether it be our website, our Facebook, Instagram page, we're now going to put a TikTok page uh, out there as well, as Candice recommended. <laughs> um, you will hear all about this story and it'll be one you do not want to miss. Awesome. I can't wait to share that with people. Uh, In the meantime, where can people connect with you, uh, get involved, perhaps submit a wish? Yeah, a lot of it can be done right through our website at www.weareyoung.ca. Our wish application is right online. Ways to donate uh, to become a monthly wish champion is there online. Following our previous wish stories and our upcoming events are all accessible there. But we also are very active on our Facebook channels. We Are Young, and Instagram as well, which is The Way Association. All right. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today, Katie. Thank you for having me. More of What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up. CareToKnow.ca is a free resource where Canadians receive the latest health information, updates on new and existing treatments, and advice from Canadian doctors via email. After enrolling at CareToKnow.ca, you'll receive accurate and reliable information from trusted Canadian medical experts delivered directly to your inbox. Members can also access the website for information on a variety of health-related topics. Through resources like vodcasts, podcasts, and live webinars, Canadian experts discuss how to manage a number of medical conditions and provide the latest knowledge and advice to help you make informed decisions about your family's health with your own healthcare provider. To sign up and start learning more about the health matters that impact you most, enroll in caretoknow.ca today. And now, back to Candace Sampson and what she said. As I mentioned at the top of the hour, I'm taking a vacation over the next couple of weeks, and so I thought before I go, I should highlight where I'll be spending my time. I'll be staycationing in my hometown of Ottawa. Before you roll your eyes and fall for the stereotypes of Ottawa being boring, I'd love for you to listen to what Sarah Laternis, the new Senior Manager of Travel Media Relations at Ottawa Tourism, has to say. From intergenerational travel and frugal family adventures to sophisticated exploration and active adventures, Ottawa offers something for everyone, and Sarah is going to break it down for us. Welcome to What She Said, Sarah. Hi, thank you for having me. I love I love my hometown. So I always like to encourage people to come here because I think we do suffer from this stereotype that we're sort of uptight and stuffy. <laughs> well, I tend to disagree with that. I think we're a hoot. 
I think we are too. So <laughs> let's talk about it. What can we do? It's the dog days of summer. So what are we doing in July and August in Ottawa? So there is so much to do. We are a year-round destination, but as of right now, I, I wanted to touch on a just a couple of little things like there is absolutely so much to do um, but a couple of things that I wanted to highlight is right now through July 30th uh, there is big bounce fest at Saunders Farms which is just on the outskirts of Ottawa and it's uh, the world's biggest touring inflatable theme park so it's essentially like a bounce castle city and it's for all ages uh, and it looks like so much fun I can't wait to go check it out um, and then there's a couple of festivals that shouldn't be missed. The Ottawa Asian Fest is July 21st to 23rd. Um, and a big one that comes back every year is Spark Street Busker Fest. Uh, that's happening August 4th through 7th. And uh, that's not to be missed. There's all kinds of performers, foods, uh, set setups along the street. It's so much fun. And then there's also the uh, Capital Ukrainian Festival, August 19th and 20th. And then, of course, we can't forget Capital Pride, August 19th to 27th. There is a lot going on over the next few weeks. Uh, let's talk, though, about the unofficial museums campaign, because I think this is so smart. It's so cool. And like, I've just started with Ottawa Tourism and um, it, I'm, of course, very familiar with the classics, as like as I like to call them. So uh, Ottawa has uh, seven of the nation's uh, national museums. And so uh, they've started this new campaign called Unofficial Museums, which is essentially um, a, quirky, a quirkier and maybe less known unofficial museums. For example, um, there's the Museum of Pizza by the Meter, and that's uh, Farinella on Rochester Street. So you can go for different experiences that you wouldn't normally think of, but they are kind of niche spots in Ottawa that you have to check out. Um, there's the Museum of Pinot Noir. It's Kin Vineyards in Carp, which is just another... Oh, wait a minute. Okay, my ears just perked up. I need more on this. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to find out, we actually have 155 unofficial museums. So I would urge you to go to ottawatourism.ca and check out the unofficial museums campaign and all of the details will be there. That's amazing. All right. Now, the other thing that I think people might not know is that Ottawa is a very green city. There is lots to do outdoors. Anything for nature lovers you'd like to highlight? Oh my gosh. There's, you know what? It's it's the best of everything because we have um, the urban city, we have the rural outskirts, and we have green space throughout all of it. So um, I would love to highlight one of the really cool attractions. It's called Saban Cooking Tours. And so they do classes, but they also do walking tours throughout the different neighborhoods. Um, and they can tailor them to the, your um, kind of cuisine that you want. We have the Haunted Walk Tours, which are really cool. There's all different uh, types to choose from. Um, they've expanded from the original. Uh, you can take bike tours with escape bicycle tours and cruise the Rideau Canal. Um but there's also like lots of farmers markets throughout all of the um, different neighborhoods throughout the city. And then, of course, there's the right inside the city whitewater rafting. You would never think that, right? Um, and I don't know about you, but I've been hot lately. And Calypso Water Park has been calling my name. Um, it is um, 
the summer place for children and adults alike. Um, it features uh, 35 slides, 100 water games, two theme rivers. Like it's just the perfect summer destination. It is perfect. And it's exactly why I'm staying home this year, because it's just been a long couple of years in this pandemic. And I am looking forward to getting out and seeing what's new and and what's improved and everything around the city. Uh, Anything you'd like to highlight for people, though, heading into fall, perhaps? So absolutely, yes. So uh, we have a couple of things that are available uh, year round. Like I said, we are a year round um, destination. So there is a new attraction that just opened called Four Wheelies. It's an indoor uh, roller rink, just like the old days. Uh, we have Interzip Rogers. They run right through October, which is now a province to province zip line from Ontario to Quebec really super cool. And then, um, of course, there's, again, the classics, the Rideau Canal to skate on, winter lewd in the in the really um, deep winter, um, of course, all of those museums. And you don't want to miss out on all of the culinary gems that we have in Ottawa. Of course. All right. So I want people to be able to find out more, plan their vacation here. So where's the best place for them to go? You definitely want to visit ottawatourism.ca. You can follow us on all of the social media platforms. And if you do and you find those grammable locations, use hashtag MyOttawa so we can see what you've got and maybe share it. All right. Wonderful. Sarah, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. This has been a blast. It's time for Saturday Night at the Movies with Ann Brody. It's a bit of a weird week. Uh, this week with the actors out on strike now, writers out on strike. So who knows where this is all going for Hollywood? Do you got any opinions, Anne? Yeah, I think it's going to be a long strike. They're so far apart on the issues. And I think the number one issue um, is the use of AI protecting the actors. I mean, that's AI is making us nervous. And there are a lot of stories that you'll see on on the website concerning AI this week in film. But uh, it's not looking good. They're talking about TIFF uh, not happening. TIFF is keeping on sending out press releases in hopes that it's settled, but um, I think that's slim. It's going to be a game changer. I mean, I remember when 9-11 hit on at, at the film festival and people were so stunned it took two days to cancel it. It, it, it was just out of the blue, as is this. So... Well, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. I've seen some interesting takes from the actors. I've seen Fran Fran Drescher, of course, who's the president of SAG, speak. And uh, uh, there's a really viral video going around. I I recommend everybody look up um, Perlman. Is it Ron Perlman? Ron Perlman. He has a viral video out right now. I don't know if you've seen it, Anne, but uh, look it up. He is- You want to know something? He's intense. I will. I was meant to interview him next week, next week for a, a crime thing that he does about fa- a f- crime family thing. Well, that'll and have to wait to do him because of Beauty and the Beast. But yes. And so I wrote back and I said, uh, so this isn't happening, is it? And they said, no. <laughs> but yeah. that's it for me in interviews with SAG people. Maybe some British stuff, maybe some Canadians who aren't SAG, but yeah, we're just going to have to feel our way around. All right. So it's a big week in entertainment. This is the weird part, right? We've got this strike and we've got these two mega, mega blockbusters hitting the screens. Um, Let's talk about Oppenheimer. It's not like we don't all know how that ends, but let's talk about it. Yeah. I mean, even though we know what happens in a film... 
a film always brings us something new, some new knowledge. And in this case, in this day and age, it's kind of a, a warning. Um, and that's related to one of my other stories called Killer Robots on the website. But uh, Oppenheimer was a, a theoretical physicist and he created the atom bomb. Um, he was there at the Trinity test in the desert and he changed the world. He is now known as uh, the destroyer. And I did read his book many years ago. And it was fascinating. This man had, uh, he swept aside the moral issues for quite a while. Um, and then he began to think things over. We know the story, but this brings something really unique. And we've got Killian Murphy as Oppenheimer, Emily Blunt, and Matt Damon. Um, you know, it's a cautionary tale, appropriate for 2023. Absolutely. And I'm torn on whether I actually want to see this. The actors in it are outstanding. Well, I love all of them. But I don't know if my I don't know if my psyche can take this one quite yet. Uh, what I could take is a nice little nice little romp through a Barbie movie because that looks fun. Oppenheimer's three hours long. Barbie's an hour and a half. Well, even better for my attention span. So tell me about Barbie. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with your attention span. <laughs> so Barbie, Marco Robbie, the perfect choice to play Barbie. Um, although there are there are alternative Barbies with Dua Lipa and Alexandra Schiff, but there's also two Kens, uh, both Canadians, Simu Liu and Ryan Gosling. So Barbie lives in this incredible pink world, which if you look anywhere on a screen these days, everything is pink because it's a marketing and a massive budget from Warners to get people's attention. Well, I think they had attention months ago. So yeah, but I'm sure that they're also concerned about Oppenheimer. Um, but anyway, yes. So it's Barbie has a crisis now. Barbie never has crises, so it's cool to see what what happens in this. And it's just a feast for the eyes. And I'll tell you, I'm kind of hard hearted when it comes to these things, but I can't wait to get some Barbie pink clothes. Yeah, the the marketing machine is in full swing for this movie. It's insane. Barbie is everywhere. Uh, I was telling you before the interview, go Google uh, Ryan Gosling or Margot Robbie right now. And the page on Google is like this special effect comes up for them when you Google their names. So they really have thought of every single aspect of marketing for this movie. It's wild. Yeah. Well, it, it's understandable because Walt uh, Warner's did some layoffs recently. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Mattel has a big hand in this as well because obviously they're going to benefit from this Barbie movie as well. There'll be Barbie mania for a long time to come. So, Great. I've got some dolls to sell. <laughs> perfect. There you go. So you've got these two plus more on uh, what she said talk.com. We are off on holidays for two weeks. Um, and then we'll be back in, in August. So uh, have a great holiday, Anne, and we'll see where this strike takes us. <laughs> All right, Anne, we'll see you when we get back. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming right up. 
Are you looking for authentic, high-quality and handcrafted seal fur and leather products created by Canadian Indigenous fashion designers and artists? Look no further than Proudly Indigenous Crafts and Designs or Pick and D for short. Their e-commerce platform celebrates and showcases the skill and creativity of Indigenous fashion designers and artists. These innovative artists combine traditional sewing techniques with a contemporary approach to create modern and timeless accessories, footwear, clothing and home decor products. And when you buy from Pick and D, you're not just getting a beautiful and authentic seal product, you're also supporting Indigenous communities. Proudly Indigenous products are natural, eco-friendly and of the highest quality. So visit ProudlyIndigenousCrafts.com today and experience the beauty of Indigenous craftsmanship. Pick and D, proudly showcasing Indigenous fashion and supporting Indigenous communities. And now back to Candace Sampson and what she said. Let's take a trip back in time. It's 1984. Apple has just shaken up the tech world with its groundbreaking Super Bowl ad and introduced us to their personal computer. The space shuttle Discovery had its maiden flight, and the very next day, a new sensation hit the airwaves. Much music. For those of us in our teens, it was a 24-7 dopamine hit that seemed to come out of nowhere. Straight from the heart of 299 Queen Street West, video was well and truly killing the radio star, and we couldn't get enough of it. And amongst all the groundbreaking VJs, one stood out as the epitome of cool, Erica M. For those of us from Gen X, she was a trailblazer, the voice of our generation, and she joins me now to discuss the new documentary, 299 Queen Street West. Welcome to the show, Erica. Thank you so much. I kind of don't like the way that you described much music because I feel like I'm history. You're not. <laughs> That's the best part you of it. history, but you know, it's it's funny to be so young and yet to be so connected to the past. Yeah, it was funny, you know, when I was writing this intro, I was like, what happened in 1984? It's a lot, right? And I was reading through it. And I thought, we have been on a roller coaster since 1984. <laughs> what a crazy year, like to have the space shuttle launch and then the next day, much music, the very next day. Crazy. Mm -hmm. So what can listeners expect from 299 Queen Street West? If you watch much music, it will be a trip down memory lane for you for sure. Um, all your favorite VJs were interviewed, at least most of them were, um, about the early days of Much and what it felt like for us to be a part of such a monumental time of culture in our country, because that's what Much Music was, right? It was, it was the sort of heart and soul of Canadian culture for many years, which it was such a privilege for me to be a part of. And so the movie really captures the beginning, the growth of much music, and then the sad and tragic death um, that all of us witnessed as it crashed and burned. Yeah. And, you know, I think too, though, for our generation, this young generation watching the VJs when it first started, you were that cool. We, we admired you. We, we, you know, we couldn't get enough of you. How did you feel? Well, I felt like I had the best job on the planet, and I did. I was really into the music business from the time I was 16 years old. So this was just the right step for me. I'd 
worked in the business since I was 16, doing all different jobs. And then by the time I was 23, I was part of the industry. So it was the right place for me at the right time. And because I already had worked in the city TV office that produced much music, I was already part of the crew. I understood sort of the the inner workings of what made much music tick. So it was a very easy transition for me. Although it was easy, it was still monumental because before I was in the background, nobody knew my name. And then the day that I became a host on Much Music, within weeks, I would walk down Queen Street in Toronto and I'd hear Erica M, Erica M. So, you know, for sure it was life-changing. And to witness the evolution of music in Canada firsthand was not just a privilege, but an incredible experience to be part of it. And the movie, really, it the movie really captures that sort of insider's feel. And, and when you look back, what do you think it was that made Much Music such a defining part of our pop culture? Um, probably many things. I think what people related to was the people who were on air were the real deal. We were all music fans, music aficionados. Unlike most television shows where you hire an actor and give them a script, each of us were part of the industry and told our own stories, did our own research, interviewed bands and asked the questions that we wanted to know the answers to. And I think that everybody really connected to one, many, all of us, everybody had their favorites for different reasons because we all had different personalities. And it was also, I think, a microcosm of Canada because there were, you know, um, on-air people of all different colors, sizes, shapes, ethnicities. And I think that that was also brand new in broadcasting because it used to be, you know, white. That's all you saw on TV. And Much Music reflected its audience. And uh, that's one of the proudest things I think that Much Music brought to broadcasting, which is it's okay to show real Canadians. Yeah, d- diversity. There was there was diversity from the get-go on Much Music. So what do you hope viewers walk away with then after watching this documentary? Well, I, I hope that there's a, it's a fun romp for everybody to mm-hmm. remember um, those days. And everyone's going to feel like, oh, I was there. I remember I remember that interview. I remember when Duran Duran came. Everyone's going to feel the same. And to feel that community again, because I think what Much Music did was it, it brought Canadians together from coast to coast. We all experienced the same music at the same time. So people on the West Coast knew the same music that people on the East Coast knew. Now things are much more niche. They're separated. We don't have that same commonality. And I think a lot of us at this age, at least, really miss it. So hopefully this will bring Canada together. All right. Excellent. So where can people catch this documentary? Is it in theaters? Is it uh, on uh, video on demand? Where can they get it? So we're we're going to do a cross-Canada tour. It's uh, kind of a crazy experience, but the producer-director, Sean Menard, has a vision where much music initially was coast-to-coast, and so he wants to give people that sort of in-person experience. So he's booked a tour, 
And uh, the honor, like a lot of the VJs will attend a lot of these premieres and they're in soft seaters. They're not in theaters. They're not, they're not in um, movie theaters. They're in actual soft seater theaters. Um, You can go to 299queenstreetwest.com, which is the URL for the documentary. It's the name of the documentary and the tour will be there. I suggest you buy your tickets quickly because I assume they're all going to be sold out because you're going to see the movie and then there's going to be an intimate and interactive, which was uh, a big part of Much Music's um, legacy, I guess, with uh, interviews with the on-air people. Hopefully some bands will participate. You'll meet the director as well. So it should be an actual experience. All right. Excellent. And if people want to catch up with you, Erica, where are you kind of hanging out on social media these days? Oh, Candace, I'm everywhere. Um, <laughs> just look for Erica M and Google my name and I'll show up all kinds of places. I have a website, ericam.com. So maybe that would be a good place to start. All right. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining me today, Erica. You're welcome. 11 million Canadians are currently living with diabetes. This includes type 1, type 2, undiagnosed, and pre-diabetes. This affects a staggering amount of Canadians, and that number is only expected to rise. In fact, by 2032, that number is expected to be 14 million, which would be roughly 35% of our population. Thankfully, research into managing this condition is ongoing and caretoknow.ca is always available to share the latest. Dr. Christine Palme is here today to discuss GLP-1 receptor agonists, a new class of type 2 diabetes medications that is becoming more popular for its added benefits. Welcome back, Christine. Thank you, Candice, for having me again. So let's talk about it. What are GLP-1 receptor agonists and how do they work to control hemoglobin A1C levels in people with type 2 diabetes? Such a new and exciting area of research. GLP-1 is a natural protein in the body. GLP-1 receptor agonists are a new class of treatments in Canada for the past decade that work to control your sugar levels. So typically we talk about hemoglobin A1C, which is a measure of the average blood sugar over three months. GLP-1s work in four ways. The first is targeting the brain by telling uh, your brain cells that you are not hungry. Uh, The second area of target is the stomach, and it actually slows down the digestion of food. Uh, The class of medications also work on the liver uh, to change the way that glucose is regulated. And finally, they work at the level of the pancreas, uh, you know, targeting insulin. So that four um, sets of action actually result in better blood sugar control. So I'm curious, do these work in conjunction with insulin or on its own? That's an excellent question. So typically speaking, these drugs are used in combination with other agents that we have, uh, less likely insulin, but some other oral agents. And in some cases, we're using them as sole agents because they are so powerful. Again, that's an ever-evolving field. All right. Well, how are GLP-1 receptor agonists typically administered then? So we have two options. Um, Some of the medications uh, are injectables. Actually, most are. And then one of the uh, medications also comes in a pill form. But in my clinic, and if you speak to my colleagues, most people are using the injection method. 
And uh, depending on the type of GLP-1, some are injected daily, some are injected weekly. But there are some exciting extra benefits to GLP-1 as well, correct? Absolutely. I often describe the class as having a credit card uh, with extra benefits. So the extra benefits include weight loss. And obviously that is, uh, you know, the topic du jour on TikTok and Instagram with Hollywood. The, me- the medication itself has been repurposed for weight loss and eventually in Canada will be um will be done so officially. And the second benefit, and, you know, I think uh, equally as important is cardiac protection. Certainly with type 2 diabetes, you're at an increased risk of developing a stroke or heart attack. And these medications, you know, beyond the blood sugar control actually help protect against those terrible outcomes. So what are some tips then for preparing for a doctor's visit to discuss GLP-1 treatment and what you should what should you be asking your healthcare provider uh, when it comes to that? Great question. It's always important to be educated and prepared. So number one, you know, obviously monitoring your blood sugars. Uh, you know, bringing in your readings either or you can bring them on a piece of paper or the actual glucometer itself. Um, you know, understand other parameters of diabetes control. So know your weight, your blood pressure. Talk about family history. If you have a family history of cardiac disease, know your own family, your own history. So know your particular history uh, with respect to, you know, your weight loss journey, cardiac issues, and just have questions ready. You know, are you interested in an injection? Are you interested in a pill? Do you want something that could be administered weekly? Do you prefer something daily? Those are all nuances that allow you to make the best decision uh, for yourself. When it comes to diabetes, are there other things that the science is, you know, as the science evolves that are coming to light now, new treatments besides GLP? Absolutely. You know, now we're understanding that other medications come with other classes, combination of medications can be used. You know, there are goals now are very far reaching. Uh, you know, if you looked back or look backwards 50 years, you know, some some of these um, healthcare advancements and uh, improvements simply did not exist. And we now have diabetics that are living well into their late years and are doing so without tragic outcomes such as cardiac disease, kidney disease, etc. So information is really blooming uh, and education uh, is absolutely essential. All right. Well, tell me then how care to know can help Canadians learn more about type 2 diabetes, including the latest treatments and management strategies. Education is empowerment. I encourage our listeners to check out caretoknow.ca. Uh, if you subscribe, it is number one free and also hassle-free. Information will be delivered um, to your inbox. A wide array of health topics, obviously diabetes, but we also cover women's health issues, skin issues, and our uh, repertoire of topics is ever-growing. All right. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. More of What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up. La, 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 la. And now back to Candace Sampson and What She Said. My mind is definitely in vacation mode as we move into this next interview with Anne Chu from Discover Surrey. As many of us are looking for summer plans, whether it's a staycation or a little exploration from afar, Surrey has a multitude of experiences to offer. From being a global foodie's dream destination with the Surrey Spice Trail to offering tidal beaches, urban rainforests, and easy access to Vancouver via the SkyTrain, Surrey presents a delightful blend of 
culinary, natural, and urban attractions. So let's dive into all the gems that Surrey has in store with Ange. Welcome to What She Said, Ange. Hi, Candice. How are you doing today? I'm good. So tell me a little bit about Discover Surrey and your mission. So Discover Surrey is what we like to call a destination marketing organization for the city of Surrey. So we're here to promote Surrey as a four-season visitor destination. So that's our goal is to attract visitors and our mandate is to attract overnight visitors to stay in and explore all the tourism experiences that Surrey has to offer. Amazing. Well, you know, my show has been airing in Surrey now for a couple of years, and I thought, I don't really know a lot about Surrey. And I actually found out that you had a recent feature in Food and Wine magazine. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, it's um, Food and Wine magazine came about. We worked with a local writer who was freelancing to pitch the story to Food and Wine about, and we did it a little bit differently. Um, traditionally, Food and Wine in their features for this section was like they featured on one country and their national cuisine, like Italy was Italian food or Taiwan or Taiwanese food. And so when we went about it, we went and pitched Surrey as a global destination with the Spice Trail because the Spice Trail features um, all the multicultural ethnic cuisines of Surrey from mom and pop takeouts to fine dining, but it's anchored on South Asian or Indian food, but it has a combination of um, African, Caribbean, there's... Um, there's Vietnamese, there's the Asian foods also, there's Mexican food, there's um, Colombian food. So the diversity of our community is reflected in our restaurants. Can you give me some examples then of some other unique tourism opportunities that people can seek out when visiting your area? Well, um, one of the things that's very unique about Surrey is we are the fastest, one of the fastest growing cities in Canada, and we will be the largest city in BC in the next within the next five years is projected by population. Landmass were already there. So Surrey's made up of six distinct neighborhoods. And one of our neighborhoods we like to call is South Surrey or it contains Crescent Beach. So that's like our little seaside resort. You can go to the beach and you can have your restaurants and your cafes there. But it's also part of um Blackie Spit, which is a natural um bird watching preserve or natural preserve. So we're one of the best winter waterfowl viewing locations in Canada. Incredible. And then we have um, right in our doorsteps, um, Surrey's known um, as having more than 50% of our landmass as being green. So we have several urban um, rainforests where you can go hiking with your um, your kids or yourself. They're easy trails, nice and flat, accessible, multi-generational. Um, you know, you can go with grandma, mom and dad, kids, and really enjoy a trail and f- feel like you've gotten away from a big city and it's right at your doorstep in each of the neighborhoods of Surrey. What about events and festivals during the summer? Do you have any of those planned? Oh, yes, we have lots. Um, we have just wrapped up the, um, it's a softball tournament called the Canada Cup from teams around the world vie for it. And uh, Japan won this year. But um, this weekend coming up, we have Fusion Festival, which is a celebration of our multicultural community. So we have over 50 cultural um, booths, but also there's music and there's food and the event is free. Is there anything else you'd like to highlight for people who are coming to your area? 
Um, people coming to this area is like, you know, there's something for everyone in Surrey. Um, Surrey is sort of undiscovered. Um, and we really want you to say, you know, include Surrey as part of your BC vacation. Like, so if you're coming on a road trip or you're coming on a larger trip to BC is come out and explore what Surrey has to offer in cuisine wise and nature experiences. Um, and also too, if you want to have the, be part of the shopping, we have all the good, we have the second largest mall in BC with Guilford Town Center. So there's good shopping, but there's also, you know, you can get out and go to the beach and it's a tidal beach. So, you know, you can turn over some rocks and find crabs and dig for clams and all that stuff. And you can see herons fishing on off the seashore. So it's a... And is there a lot I, to offer in terms of accommodations for people when they arrive? We have um, uh, a selection of um, what we call three-star to four-star hotels. Um, we have the Civic Autograph Group. We have a Sheraton, Guilford. We have Comfort Inns. You know, most of the national brands are located in Surrey, so you have a nice range of uh, accommodation stays. But we also offer, you know, short-term accommodation rentals with Airbnb and VRBO. All right, excellent. So if people are ready to jump in and start planning their vacation or even their staycation, what's the best place for them to find out more? Probably to check out our website, which is um, the Surrey, uh, discoversurreybc.com. Or, you know, you can always find us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram with at Discover Surrey. All right. Incredible. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ange. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful. That's it for What She Said this week. Stay up to date with my newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com and be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. You can also catch me on TikTok at Candace Said. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson wherever you listen to podcasts to catch past episodes and extended interviews. I'll be back next week with more What She Said. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer. Such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. 
we'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.